Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. Welcome to episode 115. We're getting up there. We're really aging well. We are. You can hear our bones <laughs> cracking in the background. Uh, I, that? I walked That's... up to Jen's and there's the, still the construction outside and there were like, they were blowing whistles. It was, I was like, just for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a parade. It's a parade outside Sally of Sally looks house. hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sally looks hot all the time. Thank you, Jen. I That's would whistle what I at you if I knew how to whistle. <laughs> Me too. That's, you don't know how to whistle either. No. Oh my god. That's pretty good. Huh? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. I could do a real good. <laughs> woo. Oh, that was that I was can't. real good. Yeah. <laughs> I just—it's something I've never been able to do. Like it's—you know—you watch your kids be born uh-huh. from your own body uh-huh. uh, or you know, I'm saying for me they came from my yeah, body yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you watch them grow from like the first time they tried to whistle they just could and I was pissed <laughs> I was like, like Wait, where's what? the struggle like <laughs> you just know how to whistle fuck you I've been trying to do this for years my whole life <laughs> no I can't do it either I so can't. So yeah, fuck your kids. Fuck your kids for whistling. <laughs> whistlers. <laughs> Stupid whistlers. Nobody in this family is going to whistle. We're wheat wooers. <laughs> it was like footloose, but it was like my kids wanted to whistle they and I like wouldn't allow them to. out to warehouses. To, yeah, and like whistling at each other. They were whistling at honky tonks. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, yeah, they were like, you know, playing chicken on tractors <laughs> while whistling and snapping their fingers. Oh man, if I caught them doing that, <laughs> grounded for life. Grounded for life. I have an update for everybody. Okay. Uh, this isn't as exciting as like uh, the night clipper update. Yeah, but I don't have any night clipper updates <sighs> yet. I mean, it's all anybody it's wants been anymore. Low on the clips. <laughs> but I did go and see a new doctor, and thank you to everybody who reached out and was like hey, that's stupid, and that's whatever, and that has happened to me too, which uh, I had a lot of people be like, I didn't even think about it when that happened with my doctor, and I'm like, right? That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, but I got in, I asked for some recommendations, I got a, an appointment with a new doctor, and uh, and he was awesome. And, awesome. Uh, we're going to call him Dr. Dude Shit, because <laughs> he said dude and shit so many times during my what? appointment. Yeah, he told oh, me. That's my dream doctor. He was like, um, so, you know, when when uh, when was your last mammogram? And I was like, oh, I never had a mammogram. And he was like, dude, we got to get Got to get a mammogram, bro. Like, dude, we got to get that shit fixed. We're going to get you a mammogram. It's going to be so fucking rad. 
<laughs> he was great. He was great. He sent me to a PT. I went to a PT. She was like, we're going to get you fixed up in six sessions. So I was like, this is, things are great. <laughs> she was like, we're going to get you fixed up in six seconds, you fucking whore. <laughs> I would have been like, get over here, you piece of shit, and get on the fucking table. <laughs> Wait, crack that bag, <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Good, yeah. Sally. Yeah, so yeah. it's that other good. And, it, and can I say also, walking in the doctor, uh, walking into the doctor's office, the nurse was like, Oh, step on the scale. And I was like, I don't want to step on the scale. She was like, Great, <laughs> that was See? it. That was See the how whole easy discussion. Oh my god, yeah. I was Ugh. like, Hi, why? Why that lady ruined my day? The other doctor. Anyway, um, so yeah, so that's that's how my week has gone. That's great. Yeah, that is great news. Thanks. Should we get into some quickies? Let's do it. Okay. Jen, so you know, I think that you and I both are fans of pranks that are kind pranks, like that aren't where nobody's getting hurt, right? Yeah, it's not really at the expense of anyone. We're all having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a good lighthearted prank. So I'm wondering how or you would... Or a scare. I like a scare prank. A scare prank. That's yeah. great. I love that. Scare tactics. Did you ever watch Scare Tactics? I did. Which is hosted I, by Shannon Doherty. I didn't ever watch it, but I know what it is. Oh my God, I used to fucking love that show. But yeah, but I'm like, I mean, I can know someone's around a corner and they'll jump out at me and I'll be... <gasps> like, yeah. I can't... I, I like a good scare. I like a good scare like that. <laughs> Okay, so I'm wondering how you would feel if you were in this situation, if a friend, if I pulled this prank on you. Okay. Okay, Okay, so there's this guy named Lee McIver uh, in Glasgow, Scotland, and he decided to prank his buddy Stephen Durand while Stephen was out on a first date. Uh Uh-huh. So Stephen (gasps) and his date were going to this restaurant called Finsbury Flatiron Restaurant, which was in Glasgow, and... A fact that Lee knew and he took full advantage of. So Lee called ahead to the restaurant and he said he was Stephen and that he was going to be there later that night. And he asked if he could get a bottle of Prosecco and a cheesecake on a plate with a message written on it. And the message was, will you marry me? Oh, my God. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) Okay. So I think that like... If I were the date, yeah. if I were the person that he was on a date with, yeah. and I got a cake that said, will you marry me in a bottle of Prosecco, I would think that it was a joke that, that he, got, played. he played on me, yes. and I would think that that was hilarious. Yes. I kind of want you to do this to someone. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the manager was like, yeah, we'll bring out a cake. And a bottle of Prosecco, and we'll dim the lights at the end of the meal so that you can have your big moment. So Lee, the guy who was pulling the prank, actually had another friend who didn't, who Stephen didn't know, go to the restaurant so he could film the prank in action. So Stephen and his date, they go, and at the end of the meal, just as promised, the lights go down, the Prosecco goes out, they deliver the cheesecake to the woman, and she immediately goes... Oh, this isn't ours. 100%. It is not ours. This is not for me. And Steven, like, doesn't know what's going on, but he just starts laughing. He's like, yeah, this is, I don't know what's up. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the woman just seems, like, kind of, like, shell-shocked by it. So then when they leave the restaurant, Lee and a bunch of other friends are all outside waiting for Steven and his date to come out to congratulate them. <laughs> and they are clapping and like, congratulations on your engagement. <laughs> 
feel like... So if I were the date, I would think the whole thing was hilarious. Yeah, I would too. But if I were the um, this guy, if I would be um, annoyed that my friend was fucking with me on a first date. Yeah. What, what, how would you feel? I think the same. I think, okay. I think I would think it was funny because it's just like, you went to such lengths. Like, but you gotta yeah. like that, right? But if you were really like, oh, this is someone with potential and, you know, I mean, I don't know how, like, maybe this is, he's just like dates a lot or, but either way, yeah, I think it would be, if it happened to me, if I was on a date and, and this somebody's friend did that to them, I think I would laugh so hard. Yeah. I think that would be like, that's like the best icebreaker. It's like now we have something that we share. Right. That's hilarious. And that happened to us together. Like what a better way to bond, like, and laugh about shit. Yeah. I think that's funny. I think I just have, um, I grew up in a prank family. That's right. So I don't trust anyone. And like, I can just see... That's the kind of, like, um, unnecessary fucking with that, like, my sister would definitely yeah. have done to me. And that's why I'm like, fuck you, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a date. I'm on a but, date. But overall, I think the whole thing is hilarious. Yeah. And... I mean, it's hilarious because it happened to someone else. But... Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So I guess the... the um... Lee, the guy who pulled the prank, said that it set him back about 140 pounds, but it was totally worth it. Sometimes, like, I'll put money in on a joke. I'll put money in on a joke. joke. There was one time we were at a um, show, and we were supposed to, me and Caleb Sinan were, were like, was supposed to go get a bucket of beers for the green room. Yeah. And then we were like, how funny would it be if we bought that, like, $40 bottle of rosé that's, like... It was it, yeah. like wrapped in this big tulle bouquet yeah, with like, uh, yeah, with like ribbons and stuff. We're like, well, I'll pay money for that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> I guess Stephen and the woman went out on a second date, but that was it. it didn't oh, really work out. So. Man, that's all they had. That's all they had. That's all they had. <laughs> so that's uh, my cookie. That was from the Lad Bible. I love that. Sorry. We're both oh, in Jen's good. cubby. Yeah. So my little cubby. <laughs> we're both we're, we're sharing the cubby. We joked about sharing the cubby, but now I'm like knocking shit around in the cubby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I'll share my cubby with you anytime you want. But cubbies are very of your homework. Yeah. <laughs> hey Sally. Hey Jen. Are you ready for my quickie? Yeah. Okay, great. This comes from an article for FoxLA.com, and it's about a real dumb couple. All right. Um, okay, Love a dumb so couple. real dumb. Okay, <laughs> um, so Richard Avazian and his wife Marietta Terabellian, which okay. is like that sounds like a made-up villain <laughs> yeah. name, like Mrs. Terabellian. <laughs> she was so terrible. Like a lemony snicket villain, are on the run. They had been arrested and were convicted of conspiracy to commit bank fraud and wire fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering. What they were doing was they were stealing people's identities and then um, applying for loans for COVID relief. Oh. Yeah, real motherfuckers. So they had stolen over $18 million. What? Yes, in COVID relief fraud. So they had used the money to put down, they bought diamonds. Did they also buy a swimming pool so they could? Yeah, so they can put their coins in it (laughs) and dive. 
Yeah, they did actually. <laughs> they also bought diamonds, jewelry, luxury watches, and imported furnishings, designer handbags, and a Harley David motorcycle. Um, so they had been arrested and were awaiting their trial, but they had just recently removed their ankle bracelets, mm-hmm. their location monitor- monitoring devices. And they are on the run. So the FBI is looking for them as we speak. So if you um, see this couple, they're driving a white 2004 Toyota Camry, which, like, I thought you bought a lot of nice cars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They have California license plates, and the license plate number is 5JYK335. Uh Uh-huh. And um, so if you see this couple driving a Toyota Camry and swimming in a pool full of money with <laughs> their three duckling nephews. It's a liberal low-ride yeah. <laughs> low car. Yeah, it's one of those like, cars with the hot tub in yeah. the back. But it's with gold coins and there's three baby nephew ducks in there. Please contact the FBI. Let's put those fuckers behind bars. Okay, I just want to say... From a person who worked in federal court. Like, it's just the government doesn't forget about people stealing money and shit. Like, it's just not worth it because at some point it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. Like, it may not be now. It might be 10 years from now. But, like, some fucking bureaucrat is just, that's their job is to look through every fucking number. Just don't do it. Yeah, don't Plus, do I it. I mean, in this case, you're just like, you're stealing money from people who need it. So, I and know. also, like, don't buy a million houses. Like, Offshore accounts, you guys. I know. Do you really need a motorcycle? <laughs> that's that was the that's what set you over the edge. Yeah, they're dangerous. That's just not smart. Uh, All right, everybody. Bolo, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. <laughs> and also Yolo. That's our. Those are our Yolo two, and Bolo. Those are two mottos. <laughs> Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a wild story? I am ready for a wild story. I gave you a lot of eye contact when I just said that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I think. <laughs> are you Are you ready? <laughs> it's like we never record in person anymore. I know. Now, now we're socially awkward. And now we don't we're know how to be together. <laughs> with each other. <laughs> uh, okay, I got my information from an article on Alabama.com by Ooh. Aaron Edgman. A couple articles on oanow.com, wtvm.com, and an episode of Snapped. Snapped. Nice. <laughs> so on September 8th, 2013, 29-year-old Angela Dickinson was in the hospital because she had just had a baby. Aww. Her baby was only a day old. She lived in Waverly, Alabama. It had been a long labor, almost two days Her husband, Carl Dickinson, a long-haul trucker, wasn't able to be at the hospital because he was on the road for work, but Angela's sister, Sabrina, and some other family members, she had a big extended family, they'd all been there to support her. And Angela had really wanted to have a baby for a long time, so this was like a joyous occasion for the whole family. And once the baby was born, uh, Sabrina, their stepdad, Jesse Bach, and a family friend named Paul Phillips all left the hospital to go to Angela and Carl's to pick up a car seat so they could bring the baby home um, and get some baby supplies and clothes and stuff for the baby. So 
When they got there, Sabrina was the one to go in and grab the stuff. She walked up to the house. She saw that the garage was open. She then noticed that the door leading from the garage into the house was wide open. She walked through the laundry room and into the kitchen, and that was where she found Angela's husband, Carl Dickinson, lying on the floor covered in blood. Oh, no. He was dead from what turned out to be numerous gunshot wounds to his head, neck, and chest. Oh. So... Carl and Angela had married 10 years earlier in 2003, and it was kind of an unlikely pairing. Carl was had been divorced twice. He was in his early 40s when they met, and Angela was only 19. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, 20 years, yes, it's an age difference for sure, but it's yeah. different when the... They're 19. They're 19, yeah. And to make it a little weirder, it, Carl had actually dated Angela's mom at one point. What? Yeah. Yeah, that is a little weirder. Um, <laughs> but it's a small town. I Maybe guess. there's not a lot of people. I don't know. They fell in love, and their families were kind of like, this is a little, the age gap's a little concerning. But in general, they supported their marriage. So within a year they got of dating, they got married. And in fact, like their families were kind of what drew them together. They were both born and raised in rural Alabama. They both valued family over everything. They loved having like big family get-togethers, cooking out. Everybody said that Carl was like this amazing cook and that Angela was just kind of like a mother to everybody. Angela's sister Jasmine said, I think what Angela saw in Carl was stability. Um, Angela had always been the mothering type to all of her siblings, like her mom was kind of in and out of a lot of relationships. So Angela was more of the mom to everybody. Mm-hmm. And her family thought that having Carl made Angela feel like she finally had someone who was taking care of her for a change. And Jasmine said that just in general, that Carl was like this really reliable, supportive guy. Like he was supportive of everybody in her family. And Carl was making good money. He was a long haul trucker. And so they had this nice home that Carl had actually built himself. Like with his hands, I guess. I don't ever know if people are like, his. they built it on his own two hands. I'm like, Liter- <laughs> literally? <laughs> Either he had it built or he built what Anyway, he had this nice house. And Carl's sister said that he was kind of in a bit of disbelief, right? He felt so lucky to have this beautiful young woman who wanted to be with him and take care of him. And he was just thrilled to have someone to share his life with. So... As a couple, they were like the kind of people who always had like an open door policy. Anybody who needed a place to stay, anybody who needed to like get back on their feet, which uh, turned out was a lot of their family, um, could come and stay. At one point, Angela's sister Jasmine and her kids lived there with them. Um, And Carl and Angela treated Jasmine's kids as if they were their own. They spent time with them. They bought them clothes. They bought them toys. And Angela's stepbrother, Jake Bartlett, stayed from time to time. Carl's best friend, who he'd met in trucking school, Paul Phillips, actually moved in with a couple for a while in 2006. So, like, there was a lot of people in and out of the house. Um, and And they loved it. They loved having a full house. It was always open. Angela's cousin said that it was like kids and family that what was what made Angela really happy. Mm-hmm. And that's why when Angela found out that she was pregnant in 2013, that she was so thrilled because it had been 10 years. She really wanted a family. So when police start investigating Carl's murder, they find they're at the crime scene. They find 19 bullet casings starting from the garage and leading into the kitchen where Carl was found. And wow. so they thought that meant that he had basically been chased into his house. Right. He'd been chased down and the killer stood over and 
and shot him and finished him off in the kitchen. And the house had been ransacked, but of course they're suspicious of this ransacking. Can you guess why? Because no money was stolen. Because nothing was stolen. <laughs> his, his wallet was there. They had all of the, like anything of value was still was a, in the home. A car with a <laughs> golden pool yeah. attached to it. So many gold coins. So they were still sitting coins. out. There was a bucket of cash. But some pillows were overturned. Counters. Yeah. <laughs> but a chair was knocked over. Somebody pulled out a dresser and was <laughs> yeah. like, put the clothes on the ground. That was about it. Um, so police are like, this seems personal, right? It's like, it was overkill. They shot him 19 times. Yeah. They tried to make it look like a robbery. This seems like a personal attack. So police officers went to the hospital to tell Angela about Carl's murder. And she, as you would think, she like completely broke down, right? She's, you know, just had a baby and now her husband's been murdered. And so she told them, she's like, I've been actually trying, I've been trying to reach Carl since I went into labor three days earlier, but she hadn't been able to talk to him. And she was really upset. But at the time, she just thought this wasn't like super unusual because he often was like driving rural roads where he didn't have cell service. So she thought like, okay, I couldn't get a hold of him, but she wasn't worried. But officers, officers were like, yeah, but like if you, if, he knew he, you were about to give a, a birth. Baby, like, yeah. why would he not? Why would he be on the road in the first place? Yeah. And, like, why didn't he call you? Like, why wasn't that suspicious if he knew you were going to have a baby? Right. And that is when she told officers that Carl wasn't actually the father of her child. It was his best friend, Paul Phillips. Oh, no. So you may remember that Paul was one of the people who was at the scene when police arrived because he had gone with Sabrina, who is Angela's sister and Angela's stepfather, to go get the baby seat and all of that. So it turns out that he was at the hospital instead of Carl because he was the baby daddy. And according to Angela, Carl knew all knew about the baby, knew it was Paul's and was okay with it's it. It's a really small town. <laughs> it's a really like people he, are okay with a lot of stuff. <laughs> and people are like, I mean, what what else are you gonna do here? Oh my god. <laughs> Tip cows? I don't know. Angela told the police that he that Carl was okay with it because Carl had a vasectomy and so he couldn't give Angela what she wanted of a baby. So she he was basically like, Okay, that's fine. And Angela told police that, like, when Carl was away on long trips, she was with Paul. And when Carl was home, she was with Carl. And everybody knew about this arrangement, and everyone was cool with it. Wow. And one of the police officers on Snap was like, my feeling was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) There's something more to this. (laughs) Uh, So... Paul and Sabrina and... Oh, hell no. (laughs) She's just like, yeah, it's not. Nobody's going to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Paul, Sabrina, and Jesse were all at the county sheriff's office because they'd been taken there after police had arrived at the scene to give their statements. And so police now, you know, they they know that Paul's the father. So they're like, ask Paul. They're like, you're the father. And he was like, yep. And they're like, well, where were you the last few days? And Paul was like, well... As soon as I learned that Angela had gone into labor, I instantly got in my car, drove down to Florida to pick up her stepfather because her stepfather was in like a nursing home and she and her stepfather were very close. So he wanted to be there for the birth. So Paul said, I drove down to get her stepfather and drove him back. And then I've been at the hospital ever since. And like 
They looked into a story. It was backed up by multiple people in both Florida and Alabama. He had, in fact, left to go um, and come back. And so police let him go. And so, like, now, like, Angela and Carl both have solid alibis for the weekend, for the couple days before uh, Carl was found. Paul was picking up Jesse and Angela was giving birth. So police start to look into anyone else who might have had something against Carl. And they landed on a nephew of Carl's named Mike Smith. And Mike was a known drug user and they thought maybe he had come to look for money and his uncle had said no and he had killed him. Um, So they brought Mike in for questioning uh, the day after the murder on September 9th. And he seemed shocked to learn of his uncle's death. He, They were like, do you have a 22? Which is, I guess, the kind of gun? Gun that... The kind of gun? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at Jen like, that's a gun, right? I don't know shit about gun. It's just looking back at me totally blankly. <laughs> no help. <laughs> when you say gun, do you mean like pew pew? <laughs> I mean like... <laughs> Okay, okay. I thought you were like, you thought I'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, So they were like, do you have a 22? And he was like, yeah, I got a 22. But he was like, I haven't seen Carl in over a year, and I was out of town on the day of the murder. And so then police looked into his alibi and were like, Oh, he also seems to be telling the truth. So it's like a real like redneck game of Clue. <laughs> they're like, who has a twenty-two? And everybody's like, me. Oh, I do have a twenty-two, but I was I was, I was in the maintenance shed at the time, Wicks in my car <laughs> with uh, a Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> Oh. Um, so, you, by the way, I hope yeah. this doesn't sound um, like I'm um, judging anyone from Alabama. I used to live in Alabama. Alabama's great. Alabama's great. Beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful and full of COVID. Uh, okay. <laughs> now you're judging Alabama. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. So they continue to interview Carl and Angela's relatives. Um, and these relatives tell two very different stories. So Angela's family said, well, Angela and Paul had an affair. Everybody knew about it. Carl found out. He kicked Paul out of the house. Uh-oh. And, but then they told police that Paul actually, whenever Carl was away on a trucking, like on a trip, that... Paul would move back in to the house, like, anytime Carl was away. And then when Carl would come home, he would, like, literally go sleep in the woods in this, like, (gasps) old trailer that had no, like, no running water or electricity. So... That's what that's. Oh, I was in my trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my trailer with the meth. With the meth. <laughs> I was in my trailer with the meth and the light bulb. <laughs> uh, so Carl's Carl's relatives, on the other hand, were actually shocked to learn that Angela was even pregnant. What? Because apparently Carl had said and Angela had said that the reason Angela's stomach was getting bigger was because of some random illness. And they thought it might be a cancerous tumor. And so the relatives said that Carl had actually been working extra shifts to save up money for treatment. <gasps> yeah. Holy moly. So police are like, this doesn't sound like a guy who was fine with his wife being pregnant by his best friend. Like either right. he didn't know 
or he did and it kicked him out of the house. So one or the other, either way, they're like, we got to talk to Paul again, right? So two days after Carl was found dead, which this is now September 10th, 2013, uh, police bring Carl back in for questioning. And they, like right from the beginning, they're like, did you do this? And he was like, nope, I was in Florida going to get Jesse. And they were like, that's when the police actually were like, no, well, the autopsy revealed that the murder happened before you left. So actually the day before he left to go get, uh, to go to Florida. Police were like, at that moment, you could see Carl was just like, oh, okay. And he just like gave up. He was like, he knew the game was over. They weren't going to go away. He was like, I just need to tell my story. And so he told police he was in love with Angela. He wanted to have a family with Angela and his new baby. And that to do that, he needed Carl gone. And so this is what he said happened. He said, he told police that he had contacted Angela's half-brother, Jake Bartlett, who was like, and it was like, hey, I, I want to murder Carl. And Jake was like, oh, I know someone who would murder Carl, murder Carl for you. And so that was a man named Trap. And he told police that on September 5th, the day that Angela went into labor, Paul, Jake Bartlett, the half-brother, and Trap went to Carl and Angela's home. He said they first staged the robbery. And then they took one of Carl's 22 caliber rifles. Oh, it's a rifle. So it's a... Yeah, okay, yeah. I get... I know that one. <laughs> uh, and Jake and Trap hid behind a trailer, and Paul hid in the garage. And then when Carl walked in the house, Trap ran up behind him and just started shooting. So after the murder, Paul said he left immediately for Florida to pick up uh, the stepdad, Jesse, in order to establish his alibi. And when police asked him if Angela had anything to do with this, Paul said no. He was very adamant that Angela had nothing to do with it. So police go to find Jake Bartlett, who is the uh, the half-brother. And he also lives in Alabama. So at first when they see, and he's like at his home, just like, oh, I did something happen. Um, first he denies everything, but then police are like, well, Paul confessed. He was yeah. like, okay, well... <laughs> Okay, well, oh, I was fine. I was there, but I didn't pull the trigger. And that same detective on Snapped said, we were all just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> he just said he was there. Like, they were just like, couldn't believe that these dum-dums just like confessed. Like, so easily, like no attorneys, nothing. They were just like, oh, yep, you accused oh, shit, me. That <laughs> was easy. Like, great. So, uh, like, Jake, the half-brother, gave up Trap, whose name was actually Travis Kyle's. And police did find him. He was in Atlanta. When Jake confesses... Get out of our city trap. trap. Uh, He tells police... Jake tells police the exact same story that Paul did about how everything happened, except for one little detail. Uh He said... Angela was the mastermind of the whole thing. I'm not surprised. No. Uh, He said that Angela had actually been asking him for months to help her kill Carl. She'd even offered to pay him money from Carl's 401k plan, which is always a good backup. Wow. He said that Angela had set her husband up, that she had actually been calling him throughout the day. Like, the police saw on her phone log, because she had said, I've been trying to get a hold of him. And they saw, like, he had been, she had been calling him a bunch, but then they would see she would call him and then she would call Paul. And so she was basically tracking Carl's whereabouts so that she could be like, he's on his way, get ready to murder. Um, So 
police actually, the more police learned, they learned from other people that this actually wasn't the first time that Paul and Angela had tried to kill Carl. It was actually the third time. Oh my, and they learned from other people? Like, everyone in the town knows she keeps trying to kill him? Yeah, they just said, like, some relative. That is crazy. I was like, so, okay. This is the smallest town I've ever <laughs> heard of. Uh, so, apparently, at one one time, they Angela had a bunch of painkillers she just like had a stash of them and uh she crushed him up and put him in his food but it never it didn't do anything to him and then another time apparently angela and paul found a dead rattlesnake on the side of the road and so they milked it for its venom oh wow and then they put it in carl's food uh but he like got a little sick but that was it oh my god she just think it's such it's like you really you really stepped up your game. I can that just last like one. the visuals of them like, what's that? A rattlesnake. Let's <gasps> milk it. Let's milk it. See if you drink it. Let's put in Carl's mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, police okay, so police believed that like Carl's family claimed, Carl actually didn't know that Angela was pregnant. They couldn't find anyone that he had talked to about wow. the like about the pregnancy, um, and they think that the reason the murder happened when it did was because she went into labor, and they were like, "Well, it's now or never." Yeah, like, if he find, he's gonna find out. Um, so Angela was arrested on September 11th, 2013, and all four of them: Angela Dickinson, Paul Phillips, Jake Bartlett, and Trap Travis Kyles. We're all charged with capital murder for the for the death of Carl Dickinson, and they wow. all pled guilty, and each got thirty years in prison. Wow! Where they still are today. Oh gosh, thirty years isn't that long. It's though. not they'll that be long. Out soon, and they'll be milking rattlesnakes, <laughs> crushing up pain pills faster than you can say <laughs> meth trailer. Yeah, she's only gonna be forty six when she's wow. eligible for parole. I think. Wow. I know. That's wild. Too soon. Oh, man. Yeah. So anyways, Uh, that's my crazy story. That is crazy. Good old-fashioned snapped. I like it. I love it, actually. (laughs) It's almost like, it's like the apple pie of uh, murder. (laughs) (laughs) You can say that on the podcast. (laughs) That's tragic, and I feel awful. Me too. Hey, Sally. Hey, Jen. Are you ready for a love story? Yes. And some more pounding outside my window? <laughs> yes. Cool. I'm ready for <laughs> Um. So um, you've seen, or have you seen the, um, I don't know your life, <laughs> um, have you seen the... Uh, a show on Amazon um, that's a modern. Well, you've read Modern Love from the yes, New York Times. Yes, I love Modern Love. Have you watched the? I watched television the show. first season. Yeah, I loved the first season. Yeah. The second season, I started it. The first episode, like, ugh, gut wrenching. Yeah, so great though. Mini Driver is amazing. And then She's a you know, treasure. I met her once. You did. Mm-hmm. I sold a pair of boots to Mini <gasps> Driver when I lived in New York City, and I worked at a fancy shoe store. And she was adorable yeah. and lovely and so sweet. Oh, that makes me so happy. So sweet. Oh my gosh. She's been in so many movies that I loved. I know she's a really fun, sweet, kind yeah. person, and I <sighs> didn't disappoint. 
So, but then I, I don't know, I kind of just fell off it, but maybe yeah. we need, need to get back in. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I haven't started the second season. You know what the problem was? What? The second episode was about um, Kit Harrington falling mm-hmm. in love with the girl on a train, and I think I was just really jealous <laughs> of the girl on the train. <laughs> Couldn't watch it anymore. You're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, this... So this is not from the television show, but it is a modern love story um, that it just really, really spoke to me because I was just telling Sally before we started recording, and I'll fill you guys in, but I, um, you guys know that I'm um, going through a divorce, uh, which is always fun. It's so fun. I don't know if you've ever been through it, but I highly recommend. Everybody should try it once. Um, <laughs> even if you love your spouse, just get a divorce. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so fun to dismantle your life to see oh, what's there. Just, just to see what happens. Shake things up. But um, You know how to keep your, your marriage fresh? <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, <laughs> Oh, these are tears of a clown. <laughs> um, and so anyway, uh, I, uh, so I was, you know, on the night that I don't have my kids, it gets very, like, lonely and depressing. And, um, you know, I'm just by myself. And I was thinking, like, you know, I kind of just want to be able to, like, because I can't make Sally go out to eat with me every night. <laughs> or my friends uh, Jill and Carly that are very tired of my text messages like, do you have it for dinner? Which we are all going out to eat yeah. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> but friends can't keep having dinners with me is what I'm saying. So I thought like maybe, you know, maybe I'll like see what an app is about. You know, find some people to hang out with, just mm-hmm. get a drink or... Or me for dinner, or just something, just to meet new people and yeah. have something to do because it gets real depressing. Um, so I downloaded Bumble, mm-hmm. and um, on the first day, I was like, "Well, look at all these people!" <laughs> and then by day uh, yesterday, which was six days later, I was like, "Fuck this shit, I'm off." And so, like, I deleted my account. It's too much. I can't do it. I cannot. I can't go into like the details of it. Um, I mean, I can, but I won't. Um, but I was just, I can't. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But I, I was feeling like very much, God, I, like what is what is supposed to be meant to be? And what is like, yeah. what is this all for? And what is, what's the meaning of life? And whatever. <laughs> and, I, and then this article, I, swear, I wasn't even looking for it. just popped up in my news feed because Google's listening to everything right. that I say. <laughs> and I just thought it was really cool. And I just wanted to read this person's modern love story um it's and it's in their words so these are all true stories so if you haven't read this column we highly recommend it because it's kind of what our podcast is all about is love um so anyway um the this was and written also bugs and also bugs <laughs> and murder <laughs> this is written by a um, someone named lavinia spalding and um the title of it is goodbye my fantasy man and then it said, I wasn't willing to settle for less than kismet, but chasing a romantic illusion nearly kept me from finding love. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, so it says, <laughs> the night I agreed to try online dating, I told my roommate, Megan, I hoped I wouldn't meet anyone because that wasn't the kind of wasn't the kind of story I wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. I know myself, I said. Anything short of kismet won't work. I've always loved the word kismet. It's Arabic in origin from um, kisma, meaning portion or lot. 
it's just a nerdy synonym for fate. But from a young age, I had believed in it, searched for it, and trusted I would find it. This is my parents' fault. My mother and father met at a party in Boston when she was 22 and he was 17. My father was tall, slender, with a pointy goatee, and when he crashed the party carrying his classical guitar, my mother took one look at him and told a friend, he's the one for me, I'm going to marry him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd better introduce you then, the friend said, leading her to him. Dolly, meet Wally, you're made for each other. <laughs> I love Aww. that. Uh, so, um, she said, my parents went home together that night, and six weeks later, they stole my aunt's car and drove cross-country to San Francisco. So they headed to City Light Books, where the owner, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, fed them spaghetti and whiskey <laughs> and let them stay in a night in the store basement. After some time in the city, though, their cash ran out, so they called my grandmother and lied, saying they had eloped. She wired money, and they returned to Boston, where they posed as newlyweds to live together. About a year later... That's so funny. It is funny. I know. About a year later, they borrowed a friend's Triumph Roadster and drove to North Carolina, where they would elope without parental consent. They were married for 43 years until my father died in 2004. I know. So the thought of we met online didn't exactly weaken my knees. Nonetheless, rounding 40, never married, and growing impatient, I composed a long profile that included my favorite books, music, and films. When I reached the question, what are you looking for in a relationship, I couldn't help myself. Kismet, I wrote. Is that too much to ask? Mm -hmm. Megan um, had, who was her roommate, Megan had convinced me to start online dating by promising she would do it with me. To cover our bases, we registered on two sites, OkCupid, which was free, and eHarmony, which was definitely not. (laughs) So Megan began going on dates, returning to our San Francisco apartment with accounts of cringeworthy misrepresentations and awkward conversations. I stayed home. I spotted zero signs of kismet, not even any artistic or literary overlap, and I refused to settle for less. Sometimes Megan would carry her laptop into my bedroom. Once she said, I found someone for you. He's cute and funny, but too short for me. And she said, because she's 5'1". Another time, we received the same message from the same guy. And um, it had said, I'm sorry, but I just have to lay it on the line and let you know, despite the fact that you hear it all the time, you're undeniably, effortlessly, and strikingly attractive. Uh, (laughs) Um, And she said, I grew discouraged. From what I could tell, the internet was where Kismet went to die. Then one day, I noticed a guy who looked handsome, seemed smart, and claimed to bake pies. Who doesn't love a handsome, smart guy who bakes pies? That sounds great. Yeah. Also, he filled in the prompt, contact me if blank, and he said, uh, if you want to get out of town. I was a traveler, always wanting to get out of town, so I favorited him, um, which is the OkCupid equivalent of sending over a drink. I do have to say... There's all these things I don't know about. I was like annoying the shit out of my friends that do online dating. Like, what does this mean? What is the super swipe? What's the super swipe? Can I unsuper swipe? Do I get it back? Anyway, um, so after two, after two days of flirtatious banter, I finally broached the question that had been bothering me. 
um, she asked him, you listed favorite music and films, but no books. Was that an oversight or do you not read? (laughs) Uh, And he replied, recorded music has always been, has always spoken to me the way written words speak to most. She said, I shut my computer. <laughs> I was the daughter of bookshop owners, a lifelong collector of first signed first editions and an author. Discussing literature was the height of stim- stimulation. Reading was fundament reading was fundamental to my identity. A few days later he messaged and said Seems like you may be looking for a bookworm, which is fine. <laughs> However, you should be aware that I am a word nerd. I suggest I, I suggest this matter be resolved in a Scrabble with a Scrabble match. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So uh, then he started inserting high-scoring words like zoo taxi into messages. The ploy worked. We made um, tenuous plans to meet for Scrabble the following week. Um, two nights later. Heading home from my waitressing job, I boarded a bus and sat down next to an attractive man who looked a lot like the word nerd's profile picture. I couldn't be sure, and I was too nervous to speak. uh, I couldn't be sure, and I was too nervous to sneak a confirming glance. Also, it was past midnight on a public bus. Not the time or place to study strangers' faces. (laughs) True. True. Um... Instead, I started. I stared at my phone and said nothing. What are the chances, I wondered, in roughly a city of 800,000 people? But after three stops, when he got off in the neighborhood where he told me he lived, I knew. In the morning, I messaged him through OkCupid. Were you on the 71 bus late last night? I sat next to someone who looked suspiciously like your photo. Whoa, he replied. Holy crap, I wrote. Our first date lasted 12 hours. We went to an... I know! (laughs) We went to an art gallery, the farmer's market, and a cafe where we played Scrabble. He seemed delighted when I won by 100 points, which is really great. Yeah. Because a lot of men are not good losers. Um, Especially someone who's saying, oh, this is my thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So um, he seemed delighted when I won by 100 points. That night, we ate Ethiopian food with our hands, then crossed the street to a music hall where he whisked me upstairs to the VIP t- section to watch Michelle Negiocello sing in the dark. Sorry if I mispronounced that. I don't know who it is. Um, and then it said, uh, she wrote, the whole affair was straight out of a kismet te- textbook. So when he continued to not read novels, and when the ensuing weeks revealed more incompatibilities, he didn't like coffee, he hated to fly, he only baked one kind of pie. (laughs) Pumpkin, my least favorite. I would think, but the universe put us together, and then I would give him another chance. The chances paid off. Though he never drank coffee, he researched brewing techniques and learned to make a flawless fresh French press, which he delivered me to me in bed each morning. Aww. I know. Once, as I was about to take my first st- sip, he rushed in. Not yet, he said, and dropped a pinch of salt into my cup. Okay, now, he said. I didn't know that. Salt in a coffee. I had no idea. I have heard that you, if you put salt in, like, the before you, if you do drip, it'll take some of the acidity out. You put like a couple flakes of salt. You know, you live, you learn. You live and you learn. <laughs> you live and you learn. That's uh, just how it goes. <laughs> who knows? 
<laughs> Still the coffee. Um, so uh, he also traveled with me, uh, pale and quiet, and pushing the call button repeatedly to ask how long the turbulence would last. He tried Xanax and Ambien. Nothing worked, but he swore his flight anxiety wouldn't interfere with future adventures. I was in love and happy, but doubt simmered. I still occasionally fantasized about a man who would sip coffee with me and read novels in our bed on our tr- frequent trips to India. When I shared this with my therapist, she told me to have a funeral for the death of romantic illusion. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great advice. <laughs> um, one February afternoon, he and I were playing Scrabble in the park, and I reached into my bag of tiles, hoping for the cue, and pulled out a ring instead. <gasps> I know. Oh, I just got chills. I dropped it on the board as if I had been electrocuted. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's a ring, he said. What is it doing there? Will you make me the happiest man in the world, he asked. It had been eight years since I calmed down and somehow found the presence of mind to spell yes in Scrabble tiles. Oh. I mean, this girl's a beautiful writer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so um, she said, my husband still won't touch coffee, but he continues to brew a sublime French press and occasionally even delivers me a lightly salted cup in bed. He doesn't go in for novels, but he'll easily read a thousand books to our six-year-old son who shares my passion for literature. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and although he hasn't conquered his fear of flying, we developed a system. We take direct daytime flights in calm weather, and if turbulence hits, he chugs two glasses of red wine and passes out. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't yet made it to India, but we have been to Italy, Tunisia, Portugal, France, Spain, and Morocco. I've even come around slowly to appreciating pumpkin pie. Somehow his tastes better. I know. Two years ago, we celebrated the 10-year anniversary of the night we shared a bench seat on the 71 bus. Uh, With reservations at our favorite restaurant, we were dressed up and anticipating a four-course dinner, fine wine, and uninterrupted conversation. But five minutes before our babysitter arrived, our son started vomiting. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so relatable. (laughs) Like, wait, what happened with the kid? Exactly. (laughs) So we celebrated at home with our sick child tucked between us watching a Disney movie on the couch. So much for romantic illusion and good riddance. It has taken me too long to understand that compatibility defies algorithms and that kismet is less about fateful encounters and favorite books than it is about finding someone who's eager to face his fears and make coffee he doesn't even drink just to be with you that's really great (laughs) (laughs) i just loved it i I just think i love this and i think that it's perfect and i think it is exactly like just, you know, what I needed to read after a week of, like, dumb um, bumbles swiping. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, like, do a thing except for just talk to people. And then I was like, fuck this and got yeah, yeah, yeah. off of it. Just because, like, you do when you're, just, like, going through all those. There's just so many people. You're looking for, like, the. it's not just compatibility. Like, um, I like walking in wine it's like you're looking for like the like what that like me too this is is this the the reason for all everything you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. and it's just it's such a like stupid notion to have yeah to like expect the universe to like give you all the answers yeah give you all the answers or like every you know 
Yeah, I think it's uh, I think that's really beautiful. It is. It is like it was kind of kismet. It just wasn't what she thought she was gonna yes. have, right? Like it wasn't what she thought was gonna happen, and I think and that's really cool. The like for me, the kismet was after I deleted the app. Like I woke up. And then I went to bed, and then I woke up this morning, and I had, like, four Marco Polos from my best friends, like, saying things like, yeah, you don't need it, and, like, whatever. (laughs) And then, like, my friend Mike, um, who's a good buddy, he, like, he had messaged me, like, I think you should do a podcast about (laughs) um, uh, what it's like to uh, be, you know, a woman in her, you know, 40s with kids, comedy, like, getting back into the swing of things. And I was like, well... I deleted my account. <laughs> but anyway, then we ended up having, like, a nice talk about, like, yeah, you know, it's, like, like, you know, when you are ready, the, that dating sites, they do suck, but there's some good ones out there. And just yeah. don't get in your head about everything. And it doesn't have to be so serious. Yeah. And whatever. So I'm not ready. But one day. One day. Who knows? What? Um, who knows? One day you're gonna Who get knows? some salted coffee. And one day I'm gonna I'll put, <laughs> see, here's the thing. I'm gonna put salt in my own fucking coffee. Put salt in your own fucking I'm coffee. Put salt in my own coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll fly myself to Tunisia. Thank you. So that's my love story. That was beautiful. Has she written? Is she an author? Has she written? A- I don't book or anything? think so. Or? I think she just wrote this one story. Uh, I mean, I guess I can. Oh, no, that's not true at all. <laughs> She's definitely an author. Um, her latest book is called The Im- Immeasurable Place. And she lives in New Orleans. It's my favorite city. We should go find her. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go find her. Let's go to New Orleans and bring her some salted coffee. Uh, all right, let's do something dumb and something we love. Okay, let's do it. You okay. go first. Uh, so I was late today because I got a call from Max's teacher. Oh, no. He's been having meltdowns in class. Poor little guy. He just is like, I think he's just Pre-K like a... pre is hard. Oh, no, he's in kindergarten. Yeah, I think he's just, he's like, the teacher said he's a perfectionist and he wants Aww. to do things right and he's having a hard time when he like, if he gets told he's not doing something right, yeah. he's like having meltdowns and... Um, and it just makes me so sad Aww. for him because I'm like, oh, he gets that from me <laughs> and from Ben, both of us, honestly. And I just am like, oh, poor little guy. I just want him to not feel so self-conscious about that kind of stuff or, yeah. you know, so, um, so yeah, so that's dumb. It's dumb hearing that your kid is struggling, even if it's like struggling to of be good, you know, is. like yeah. he's, he's trying so hard to be good he's trying he's such a rule follower but it is it is just like sad to be like oh now it's like actually causing him he can't handle it like he can't deal cannot deal poor Her kid baby. i know he just wants to do do just, good just wants to do the right thing like she said that he'll be she'll be like okay you guys can like go to your seats and get a drink of water along on your way and he'd be like can i can i get a drink of water and she's like just told you that she's like but he just like really wants to follow Aww. all of the rules like um which I'm just you know it's like I can't imagine it's gotta be hard because he didn't like his he didn't get to do pre-k because of last year yeah you know what I mean? well and also the place that he was at last year was like very crunchy and exploratory yeah. so there weren't a lot of rules and like we don't have a lot of rules at home because 
he doesn't because he's you're not crunchy. Not, like also, I'm he's just kidding. like not a boundary pusher. So we're yeah, just like, not. why would we? We don't like we have rules. Like there obviously we have boundaries, but like at he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of stuff that we're like. So we have to set so many rules, right? right? And so right. we're like, well, why am I waiting? So it's I think if this is having all of these rules is new for him. Yeah, and it's like making him anxious, which makes me sad. Oh, um, poor little guy. Uh, and then the thing I love is, holy shit, Jen, that podcast that you recommended last week. I told you. Something was wrong. Yeah, I knew something was wrong. Something was wrong. Something was wrong. Something was wrong. I, like, have been binging the this season, and there's one more episode, maybe, or two more episodes. I don't know. I but think, I, did you listen today? Yes. It was, yeah. Have you listened? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh so my god. so good. So many big reveals. So great. Uh, so I highly recommend wild. that. I and love scary. That. Yes. Scary and wild because just listening to these people like talk about people that they were like married to and had children with yes. that were living a double fucking life. It's so scary. Yeah. The idea that you another can... reason I'm gonna salt my own coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, chance of a psychopath salting your coffee. Jesus. Um, but yeah, I love it. And so thank you for recommending that. And I double, I double recommend it. Awesome. (laughs) I love that you double recommend. Um, I, uh, so for my, can I say one more thing? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, can I, I'm sorry. Can I make this about me? Uh, I'm excited because I can now tell you guys that I'm also going to be performing at Red Clay Comedy Festival that Jim produces this year. So, and it's like over my birthday weekend. So (gasps) I need all of you guys to come. I didn't realize that yeah oh yeah. my god uh so i'm so excited about that if you guys you guys know jem produces uh co-produces sorry with those other dudes um <laughs> other wonderful guys uh the red clay comedy festival is in atlanta it's november 4th through 6th mm-hmm. and uh and it's in east atlanta village it's so fun it's so yeah. there's like amazing Yay, comics coming you've got um, sam J, akash singh james adomian uh Virgin Boast Battle, Boast Rattle, I think. Boast Rattle. Boast Rattle, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's going to be awesome, and I, I'm just so excited to be a part of it. So, Well, I'm so excited. Get your tickets. Get your tickets and come see Sally and yeah. I. I Sally read. will be performing, and I'll be running around like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> um, comedy.com. Mm-hmm. Get a festival pass. Do it. Um, yeah, if you get... If you get a, uh, VIP passes, which are the festival passes, yeah. like the VIP, then you get access to all of the after parties and stuff, which is really fun because then it's just like, hey, you get to hang out with all the comedians. You get to hang out with us. Yeah. And I'll be drinking a lot after the festival. Same, same. So <laughs> you don't know what you're going to see. So you probably come see on a real sleepy Sally and down. Down. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a corner being like, it's... 10.30 already? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there's also, you get access to the comedy brunch, Ooh. which is, um, so if you're a daytime person, you could do that too. Yeah. And daytime drink. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Um, I love that. Um, so, but uh, my something dumb and something I love um, this week is um, I'm real sad about, um, I didn't post anything online because I know that everybody else is and Sometimes when feeds get flooded with stuff, I'm yeah. just like, you already got it. Yeah. You guys already took care of it. But Norm MacDonald passing away was just so, that was a gut That was a gut punch. Gut. I don't usually get, you know, I mean, it's like people that I haven't met, I don't, 
I don't usually, it doesn't affect me as, right. you know, uh, but that one really did. I really, he was like a real hero and, uh, just like, just so fucking funny and young and it just so unique and yeah, oh, yeah. He, there's sad. nobody like Norm Macdonald and like everybody all of the comedians I know who have worked with him just couldn't say enough nice things about him you yeah know? just about how generous he was with his time and to young comics and people aren't always like that when they're famous I know yeah yeah I heard he was a real cool guy I'm sad I never got to work with him yeah but um, he definitely was one of my first, like, favorite comedians. Like, yeah. I loved him on SNL. Yeah. Um, so I'm real sad about that. So that is something dumb. Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Um, and for something I love, it's on um, Amazon Prime. It's like a four-part documentary series. Have you watched Lula Rich yet? No, I just started it. Oh, my God. While I was working out today, and I was like... Because I totally... It was such a craze when I first had Max and all of these moms in in Astoria were like selling it. Yeah. And it was such a crazy thing because I remember being like, this shit is ugly as hell. I know. <laughs> Why are we so excited about this? And I, there's a friend, I'm not going to like say who it is. It's one of my, um, one of Zach's friend's wives. She was lovely. Love her to death. <laughs> But she was doing, um, so now you guys kind of know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, lovely, love yeah. her. And but she um, was doing LuLaRoe. But I remember her being uh, asking me if I would host a party and asking me if I would post about it yeah. on um, online. And then I remember like her husband asking me if I would do it too. And I remember thinking, like, this seems very out of character for you guys. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like you guys are, like, it almost seems like you're being forced to, mm-hmm. you feel like you're forced to ask me. Yeah. Um, or or all of your friends or everyone that you know. Yeah. Just because, like, this is the kind of thing that, like, we would probably, like, laugh about or right. giggle or, like, you would feel uncomfortable asking. You know yeah. what I mean? But so I remember getting that sense of feeling like, I feel like, someone's real, really driving home that you better ask right. every single person you know. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I, I never had a good feeling about the little mm. row. And they were ugly as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember um, it was just like such a big, like, oh, these are limited patterns. It's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's really amazing. But when you watch the documentary, you can completely, like, uh, like I do not judge anybody that no. did LuLaRoe. I totally understand how that could have gotten. I 100% how you, like, why yeah. you would have done it. And I knew why all these moms were doing it because they were yeah. like, I want a way to, like, make money and to, like, be home with my kids. or That to, was like, the and dream then, they were selling. Yes. And yeah. it's, it does make sense to be like, okay, well, here's, I see all these other people making money at this. It is a thing that people want. Like, it obviously was, like, very popular. But, like, yeah, just, it's so, nobody actually makes money in this. Yeah. You know? It's it's really wild. So, I, like, I haven't, there was that kind of binge where I was, like, trying to, like, sneak in snippets Mm. of it whenever, like, I was in between (laughs) phone calls and stuff just because I couldn't stop watching it. I definitely, I watched all four hour-long episodes in a day. Yeah. Um, And Yeah, I I mean, I'm kind of, like, resentful of being here right now. I know. (laughs) Go home. Let's not even have dinner. 
I can't um, have you getting back on Bumble, Jen. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's my uh, highly recommended. Cool. Well, guys, I hope you had a great week. Uh, you can please get in touch with us. You can email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the socials at dumblovepodcast. And if you um, want to hang out with me and have a drink or something. <laughs> You can contact Jen. She's at Jen O'Neill. That's just in Jen O'Neill Smith. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, on all the socials. Hit her up. She'd love to go for a drink with you. Um, and, uh, you know, tell a friend. Tell a yeah. friend about our podcast. We'd yeah. love that. Do that. And uh, don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum, da, dum, 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 d